How you doing? Wonderful. Nice to be with you. Good to see you. I see you all over the state, and it looks like you've been in Ocean City a lot. Well, I've, there are 16 weekends between <laughs> Memorial Day and Labor Day. Three of those are three-day weekends, including the 4th of July. I was there on the boardwalk 14 of those 16 weekends, eight hours a day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, meeting Marylanders. I met over 10,000 Marylanders there and learned quite a bit. I think it's very important in the, that the political figures, even in this time of pandemic, keep in touch with the grassroots and learn what the people are thinking. Yeah. So it looks like I see your signs on 270. I've seen your signs all over the place at Hagerstown, where I'm originally from, and I think uh, even on the Eastern Shore when I was there a few weeks ago. And you're looks like you're running. You're off and running for governor on the Republican side. Well, there's no question about it. Actually, I'm the only one running for governor on the Republican side, and we're doing very well. We're getting around. I'm meeting the people, and I can tell you the people of Maryland want to open up Maryland. They want those elementary schools open. They want to see high school sports. They want the, the special education, the challenge students in with teachers rather than at home. And also, they're very much in favor of cutting the state sales tax two cents and giving themselves a financial tailwind coming out of this pandemic. Well, let's talk about that in just a moment. But first, uh, Robin... You are you. You've been very busy. You're a Montgomery County resident, and you. Uh, I'm just thinking back to your long career. First, uh, you're you're an attorney, a veteran, and you have been. You served in the Maryland House of Delegates from '78 until or '68 until '72. Is that the right years? No, no. It was from '78 to yeah. to '82. I w- I was there. When uh, Ronald Reagan was shot, I made the motion for the House to adjourn, and Speaker Cardin declined to grant my motion. Ah, well, I was 10 years off, and uh, so Speaker Cardin, wow, there's a there's a name. Now, uh, no, U.S. Senator Cardin. That's correct. Yeah, so, Robin, I want to first talk to you about, you, you know, I've always said this, that you are— one of the most effective political activists, not only in Montgomery County, but I, I think all of Montgomery County, based on the, the work that you've done with getting the ballot initiatives passed and to the ballots and then voted on. But I think that you've been an effective activist throughout the state. You've been in office. You've been on outside of office. You've run for office several times. What what keeps you going? And I, the you know what 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 motivates you well this is the opportunity for peaceful change in the united states we don't fight wars we don't shoot each other we bring about peaceful change i'm an attorney you can do that through the courts you can do that through the process of amending your county charter and quite frankly i love collecting signatures from the people because uh, i'll go out 200 straight days meet people learn what they have to think. And I believe that every every Marylander knows more about at least one subject than I do. And I believe that the smartest person picks the best brains. You can bring about peaceful change like term limits. We got term limits through in Montgomery County. Every elected official was opposed. The Washington Post 
ran about five editorials opposing it, wouldn't print one in favor. And I was disappointed because we only got 70 percent of the vote. The people wanted fresh ideas, and we made it so five of these tax increase specialists couldn't run for re-election, and we got some fresh air in our offices. You you got term limits on, which was a huge victory. You had special interests from all sorts of consortiums pushing back against you, saying, no, 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 no. You had county council members. I believe in even the county executive came out against you. Why is that? Why are they so opposed to you? Is it your tactics, or is it that they are afraid of losing power? <laughs> they're, they're afraid of losing power. For, for instance, you know, this fall, I have question B on the ballot in Montgomery County, collected all those signatures in 2019 prior to the pandemic because people don't want to sign when we have uh, social distancing. The collected those signatures. It's now on the ballot to limit the county council and the, and the county executive from increasing property tax revenue more than the rate of inflation. We had a 9% increase. We never want another 9% increase. Why would you ever want to raise taxes during a pandemic? I think that the county needs to bring in some jobs to increase its revenue base, which it isn't doing, and it needs not to treat the voters as an ATM. They need to control their spending, and they can't do it. You ran against Montgomery County Executive Mark Elrich in the general election in 2018. You talked a lot about taxing. You talked about businesses. You've you've talked a lot about these issues for several years. Uh, Robin, what was it like running against County Executive Elric, and how would you grade his performance so far in office? Well, he's a nice guy personally. I mean, I had like 31 joint meetings. The problem was was that there was a another Democrat in the race. There were two, and that other Democrat was spending their time attacking me. I don't know why, because we all knew that Mark was ahead in the polls. The problem is that Mark has a philosophy, which he espoused in the Washington Post in May of 2016, where he said that civilizations are never remembered for their tax rates. He even tried to give us a big tax increase this past year. Thankfully, the council rebuffed him. But I think that's what they're going to want to do this next year because they have a big deficit. They've shut down the county. The people can't go to work. Their kids aren't aren't in school. We've had 130,000 Montgomery Countyans request unemployment, and you know that they haven't let one county employee or one person in the shutdown school system go. We're bearing the brunt. The average person, the taxpayer, is bearing the brunt. We don't want another tax increase. That's why we're trying to limit property tax increases to the rate of inflation on question B. We're not trying to cut taxes. We're just saying don't increase it more than the rate of inflation. In 2016, when we got our 9% property tax increase, do you know that Social Security recipients got no increase whatsoever that year? It, I do. And moreover, talking, thinking of back to your other ballot initiatives, they named an amendment. They named a, a, a 
a, a major piece of ballot initiative uh, history after you. And for anyone who's tuning in, I have Robin Ficker with me, who's no stranger to Maryland politics. He's been at this for many, many years, longer than I've been alive. Uh, Robin, they named it, they call it the Ficker Amendment. What is that? Well, they, they did. And, and listen, Marylanders listening to this program, turn off that NFL game. Don't take any calls. Go to the restroom. Put your snacks down. Listen to this now. We In 2016, we got a big property tax increase. Um, in 2008, prior to that, I put a question on the ballot which required a unanimous vote of the county council to increase the property tax revenue more than the rate of inflation. That stopped big property tax increases in 2009, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Then in 2016, the Democrats who hold every office in Montgomery County felt so confident that they couldn't possibly lose any seat at all. They gave us a whopping 9% increase. They, and it was supposed to last for a generation. It was supposed to last for a generation. And guess what? They want another big one now. Their generation is four or five years. So we need to vote for question B. They also put question A on the ballot, which is a tax increase in and of itself. That just changes the definition uh, of uh, the consumer price index. It changes the definition so that they get automatically more money each year and question A, which the council and executive put on the ballot. They didn't collect any signatures. They put it on the ballot. It allows them to increase taxes as much as they want. And we're going to get another 9% increase if question B doesn't pass. Question. There's two two referendums I want to talk about. First is question question A, which is a charter amendment by active county council limiting the tax rate increases and then question b as you mentioned is the charter amendment by petition the prohibit override question b is a citizen initiative that required ten thousand signatures of residents supporting the referendum question b uh, or rather question a was proposed by the county council in response to question b for each referendum voters will simply be instructed that they may vote for or against. So, Robin, lay it out for voters of Montgomery County who are listening. Question B does what? And if they vote for it, yeah. Well, if you vote for question B, you're saying that the county council cannot increase property tax revenue more than the rate of inflation. It limits the increase to the rate of inflation. It allows an increase, but no more than the rate of inflation. Question A allows the council and executive, as long as they have all their votes, which they do, they have a locked in nine votes. As long as they have those nine votes, they can increase property tax rates as much as they want. And that's what they're going to do. They say there's great need because of the pandemic, but they caused a lot of the need by shutting down the county and not bringing in new business. Robin, there's a scathing new ad that was launched against Question B, your efforts. You took that to the ballot. New co- There's a new coalition of concerned citizens, voters, religious organizations, nonprofits, unions. They're opposing your Question B. They released a press release last week on the 23rd, uh, and 
They're putting out, uh, I believe, a political ad. They call it dangerous. They take aim at the ballot question. And uh, it says it's going to hinder the county's COVID response. It's going to cause slashes to schools and essential services and even threaten Montgomery County's triple A bond rating. Do you want to respond to that? Well, it shows how worried they are. It shows that their polls show, as mine do, that question B is going to pass. They're the desperate ones. The only thing that question B cuts is their big tax increases that they want to give us. It doesn't cut any program at all. It allows them to increase the budget as much as the rate of inflation. You know, I I really they haven't cut the budget. They haven't been careful with our money. They haven't been thrifty. If they were, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't be worried about question B. They need to live within their means. They they need to realize that they cannot have an unlimited budget and the ability to exceed that unlimited budget. They're not playing fair. Now, look, look what the county council did. They gave a lot of money during the pandemic to these nonprofit organizations. Okay. They gave direct grants to them during the pandemic. So what's happening now? They're holding a quote town meeting. The nonprofits are on question B. And of course, the only person on the on the platform is a county council member who is who is opposed to question B. They're not playing fair. They get the money. The county council comes in and tells them, do what we want. And they don't have the other side there. That's not fair. The Washington Post has not been fair either. Mm. Do you realize that since 1974, we have had over 25 citizen-generated charter amendments, and I've been involved in most of them, to tell the truth. Each one required 10,000 signatures to go on the ballot, and the Washington Post has opposed every single one. What do they want? They want people marching in the streets. We're trying to bring about peaceful change. They've opposed all 25-plus of these charter amendments. And what have they what have they done about me? And during this for my role, the Washington Post has called me, quote, a gadfly about 60 (laughs) times over the past few decades. Why do they keep using the same word? They try to brand you. They don't want to hear discussion. We need to get this question passed. Montgomery County Cable, okay, my MC Media, they get a big grant from the county. So what did they do this past week? They had an interview with Ike Tax Hike Leggett, a multimillionaire who doesn't worry about, who lives in a big mansion, doesn't worry about his property taxes. He came on and said, we don't want to limit property taxes. But they didn't have an opposing viewpoint. How is that fair? They get a big county subsidy, but they don't run the other side. Not fair at all. Montgomery County voters want fairness. They petition question B to the ballot. They want it passed, and they don't want the special interest to get their way. You know, the problem the county council has now is that we're right before an election where every single adult in Montgomery County is going to vote. There's no question. Everybody wants to vote in this election for or against someone else. Okay, and 
in that regard, the special interest influence is diminished. It's diluted because we have these hundreds of thousands of voters and their little splashy noises and nasty little Facebook ads aren't <laughs> going to carry the day because people don't even notice them in compared to the, the Trump-Biden dialogue. That's, that is uh, dominating the airwaves and dominating the conversation and the special interest viewpoint on question b isn't going to be heard at all it's it's lost it's lost in the in the noise yeah i remember back a few years ago when they thought the the term limits was the worst thing ever they disparaged you they disparaged anybody who came out in support of it uh they 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 called it all kinds of different names and as you mentioned earlier in the show that the, the population of Montgomery County overwhelmingly voted for him. Otherwise, you're going to see the same people get voted in. You know, how many more terms is George Leventhal going to get elected from for at large? <laughs> if that right. well, that's, that's the only way we could jackhammer him out of there. I mean, have you ever tried to catch a fly with your hand? We caught five flies with our hand at one time. That's hard to do. And and three of these county council people who have been increasing our taxes at every opportunity are not going to be able to run again in 2022 as a result of term limits. Hmm. Yeah. And look, the the coalition that's behind the the new ad, it's called the Montgomery County Neighbors Against Question B. It's made up of concerned citizens. And I'm reading from this press release from faith groups, teachers, firefighters, local nonprofits. Robin, it's 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 co-chaired by former Board of Education member Jill Ortman-Faust, who uh, was defeated pretty handedly in the election in 2018 when she gave up a safe seat on the Board of Education and instead wait, waited into the 33-plus person pri- Democratic primary for the at-large race. And it's also chaired by the Up County Citizens Advisory Board, William Roberts, what do you what do you make of that? A former board of education member getting involved with this? Well, I th- I think Jill uh, on election night is going to sleep like a baby. She's going to wake up and cry every two hours <laughs> because uh, question B is going to pass, and and her uh, phone calls or her postings, her nasty postings on Facebook are not going to carry the day because people are worried about their pocketbooks during a pandemic. 130,000 people have filed for unemployment. Lots of restaurants and businesses are closing. Do you think they want a tax increase during this pandemic? Don't think so. And I might say that having collected most of these signatures, people most of our signers were registered Democrats. We checked every single name. It crossed racial lines. It crossed sexual orientation lines. It crossed neighborhood lines. It, it, men and women were in favor of this. All the minorities were in favor of this because they don't want to see their rents raised due to property tax increases because property tax increases are just passed along. They don't want to be minorities, don't want to be stuffed in apartments, which property tax increases cause. And, and also these minorities know that uh, that these increased property taxes are a barrier to them.
buying houses, buying the homes they want with backyards, and, and high property taxes are pushing lots of housing up into the unaffordable category. Yeah. Well, my question to you, Robin, is is that if question B does pass and it does limit the county's ability to generate revenue uh, by limiting to the previous year's revenue adjusted to the inflation rate, what what's the right what is the right way to raise the revenue that we have lost out on due to COVID nineteen? Well, don't forget it's it's also said not counting new construction, Hmm. not counting new construction. So we need some new construction. We need some businesses coming in and putting up big, fine buildings, just like Marriott has done in downtown Bethesda. They they did that. Of course, they got a big subsidy to do it. And we need we need to turn around the 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 wave that's blowing uh, companies out of Montgomery County, the Discovery Channel left. That was the biggest employer down in the Tacoma Park trapezoid <laughs> where all these county council and county executive lived. The biggest employer, their neighbor, the Discovery Channel, fled. We need to bring in some businesses that are going to construct headquarters. We need to bring in Facebook, Apple, Microsoft, bring some of these companies that I see in Seattle when I go out there where my daughter lives. Bring them here to Montgomery County. We had a chance to land Amazon, but Amazon didn't want to locate where people have a, have a history of raising taxes. As soon as the election was over, they decided not to lay, locate here. The reason – and I talked to hundreds of people from Amazon when I've been out in Seattle. They don't want to be in a place where they're getting overtaxed, and when Seattle tried to put a big – per head employee tax on Amazon, they decided to move a lot of their operation out of Seattle. It could have come here, but not with the history of raising taxes that Montgomery County has. Yeah, you, you've been out and about you, when you've collected signatures. You've, I've seen you at the grocery store. We've seen you all over the county and up county, down county, uh, in the cold weather when it's really hot out, in the nice fall and spring weather. What are what are you hearing from the citizens when you ask them? They're walking out of the grocery store. They're carrying their groceries or pushing their shopping carts. What are you hearing from them, Robin? You've you've interfaced with so many people over the last forty years. What are they telling you? They're not getting their money's worth. They're, they're paying these high taxes. They're not getting their money's worth from the county government. They feel the county government has a lot of special interest expenditures, and the roads aren't in good enough condition. The We're not getting our fair share. Our, our state legislators aren't getting our fair share uh, from Annapolis of state revenues. We're just not getting our money's worth for what we pay. That's why they want to limit tax increases, have the county bring in new businesses, and not let the voters be treated as an ATM. Yeah. Uh, it, why do you think in Montgomery County that folks seemingly in Silver Spring, those who are in charge, the activists in Silver Spring, the in Tacoma Park, it almost feels like they thumb their nose or look down upon people in Up County or who live north of Potomac. Why does it feel like that, that they just don't really care much about our voice? I live in Gaithersburg. What's the deal with that, Robin? 
Well, nothing propinks like propinquity. That's where they live, and they listen to the neighbors. They go to meetings at the Silver Springs Civic Center. They go to meetings in Tacoma Park, and and that's that's where they're located. It's it's the people who have who've controlled the county for years are in the Tacoma Park trapezoid. They don't get out very much. They don't drive I two seventy. They they don't have any see any need for M eighty three. They uh, they they think, for instance, that that uh, transit that transit where people want to socially distance by the way is going to solve all our problems but when you drive in your car you're socially distancing plus you have freedom to travel you can go anywhere anytime and the people down there in the tacoma park trapezoid don't realize that they're just don't realize that they're just associating with the with the same old people every day they, they don't mix with the people in the up county gaithersburg poolsville olney rockville uh germantown they don't they don't damascus oh yeah they 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 think they think germantown is in europe (laughs) that's well you know it's funny that you say that and there's another ballot initiative the the nine districts and i two weeks ago had kimberlin prasad on this very podcast, and we had a conversation about splitting the council districts into individual districts. What is your take on that, Robin? Well, you know, I put that question on the ballot in 1984, and it didn't pass. And the main argument against it at that time, it got about 40 percent at that time. The main argument against it was that, well, you instead of being able to vote for five council members, you can only vote for one. So your vote is diminished. That's the argument. However, when you when you look at the present setup and you see where all these folks are living, you have you have five council members plus the county executive living in five percent, the same five percent of the county land area. And I plotted out their residences so I know it's true then you really don't have you're really not voting for five council members because these five at large council members aren't representing you anyway if if we divide the county up into nine districts at least each part of the county will have a say and then coalitions will will be built so i think that it's it's really a falsity to say that you have five council members because they're ignoring most of the county these five at-large council members are ignoring most of the county and instead you only have you've got craig rice up in germantown and you've got uh you've got uh, sydney katz in gaithersburg and that's about it the and and they're co-opted half the time and support tax increases sydney and craig rice supported the big tax increases so they didn't really represent the local areas i i think you you've got to vote for d and then you've got to vote against question C, which enlarges the council. They don't even have space in their council building for more offices. It's going to require millions of dollars of new construction and millions of dollars in new staff. So I would vote for B, for D, against C, against A. Robin, do you think that they are opposing this? There's one group after another. In fact, there was a, a group formed by county leaders, uh, uh, Marilyn Balcom of Germantown, who ran for county council at large last time, and East County leader Michelle Graham of Olney, they're co-chairing 
an effort in support of Montgomery County ballot question C, which would then expand the number of council, as you said, council district seats from five to seven. What is that? What What's wrong with that? I mean, other than you said a space issue, it, they call it a bargain. Is it really a bargain? Well, I, I think Marilyn Balcom's been co-opted by the Tacoma Park Trapezoid folks. They probably promised her a, a seat on their ticket when they run for re-election. The, the problem is nine council members is enough. We have eight state senators from Montgomery County, so nine councilmen should be enough. It's like sort of packing, it's packing the county council with extra seats. And of course, the main reason that they've put question C on the ballot is because it protects all five, all, all four, um, I call them recumbents, you can call them incompetents, you can call them incumbents, but the, the only purpose that C is on the ballot is because it protects the incumbents on the council. And I don't see any reason to protect these folks unless they do a really good job and don't vote against these big tax increases and improve our gridlock situation. Is there open to schools? Is there any member of the county council in particular of the nine members that you think is doing a, a decent job? Maybe not a good job, but a decent job. I, I think that the people I have met collecting signatures out on the street would do a better job than any any of the county council members. I think that we need positive change. We have a we have a shutdown county here. We need to open up the county. We can do it safely. We, we're not going to require any parent who, who thinks it's unsafe to send their kids to school to do so. We're not going to require any teacher who who has a uh, who has a pre-existing medical condition or is or is very worried about their health to, to go to school. But we need to give folks the option to go to school. We need to give we need to open up these high school athletics and, and give the special the special needs students help. They can't sit in front of a computer. I have I have three little grandchildren. My my little grandchildren, they don't want to sit in front of a computer for five hours a day. They can't they want to be with their friends. They want to have fun. They want to learn with their friends and be with a good teacher. So, you know, we need change. Not one elected official in Montgomery County have I heard either the council or the state legislature talk about giving parents the option of going to in-person, having their kids sent to in-person schooling. I haven't heard one of them say that. It's all go along and get along. I know that, that some people don't feel safe during this pandemic. I, I've heard that, but we'll give them the option to have virtual school, but others want to go and we need to give them that option because how are you gonna go to work if you have kids at home? You can't do it. I've talked to parents who have who both parents work they come home they have four kids in four different grades they're faced with four different packets after a long work day they can't handle it how about single women who have who have children how how can they afford to uh, hire child care and then go to work and conduct teaching with their kids they can't do it we no new business is going to locate in a shutdown county because no new business as a C CEO that doesn't want to be successful. And if you're locating in a shutdown county, you're not going to be successful. Well, how would you – I know that 
Montgomery County Executive Mark Alrich has taken a cautious approach. We're still in stage two while the Maryland is in stage three. There's a million plus people here. I know that our COVID rates are are dropping. Do you think that County Executive Alrich, do you think he's handled this, the crisis, the pandemic in a responsible way? What do you, what's your take on that? No, I don't. I, I think he's been way too cautious. It, uh, I think that he's given some. He's he's tried to put it put a face on the county of a Dr. Gales who uh, as a, who's a pediatrician who doesn't even live or vote in Maryland. He's pushing Gales out there in front of him. He should be making decisions more along the lines of what Governor Hogan has said to open up the county more of the county faster. And he's he's been dragging his feet. Uh, we haven't had any school children die from the uh, from the coronavirus. I think that Elric made a big mistake. He should have made sure that all these all these nursing homes, and there are about there may be as many as 200. I don't know how exactly how many there are. Certainly at least 50 in Montgomery County. Yeah. He should have had them guarded from day one because that's where most of Montgomery County deaths were, and they should have screened and tested everyone going in and out of these nursing homes and we would have kept our death rate way down if we'd have done that well i mean there's a a valid point to that in that the nur- in in montgomery county assisted living communities and nursing homes uh skilled nursing facilities one in particular in silver spring regency care they lost over uh, i believe it was over half of their population living there uh and what do you what do you think for the tit for tat between County Executive Elrich and Governor Hogan? It seems like they are often working at odds or at cross purposes. What do you make of that? Well, I, I agree. They certainly are working at odds and cross purposes. They are on transportation, where uh, Mr. Uh, Elrich he uh, he doesn't want to see improvements to the belt Beltway. Um, I think what we should do is is take a look at the purple line and the beltway improvements together as a package. Mr. Elric says, well, he's opposed to improving the beltway because we need transit options. Well, there's the transit option, the purple line. We should look at those two together. People are sick and tired of, of uh, driving down I-270, and while they're driving, they're, they're expecting people like Mr. Elric to send the police out to give them parking tickets while they're driving there's people are reading they're brushing their teeth they're combing their hair they're they're writing letters while they're driving on i-270 and going across the cabin john bridge we need to get these roads built 20 years ago we and and elric and hogan need to work together to bring it about and get some of these state legislators who believe that uh that I-270 and the Beltway are okay as parking lots, get them involved too, because we want to get Montgomery County moving. The gridlock is keeping out new business, which would enlarge our tax base and decrease the necessity for these, quote, necessity, unquote, for tax increases. Yeah, you mentioned the purple line. The purple line is falling apart, the construction. it's. I, I would even go as far as to say that there is chaos in this process right now. There's much uncertainty. Robin, did you support the Purple Line from the outset? And do, how do we recover this project? 
Well, I, I did support the Purple Line, and as a matter of fact, I was there when they uh, they had the opening. I, I was there uh, with the with all the elected officials when they dedicated the Purple Line, but uh, they they weren't monitoring the situation, just like they didn't monitor the Sarbanes Transit Center in Silver Spring. They we got way behind. We had these cost overruns. There wasn't enough monitoring by the county government and state government, and and now. Um, we're in a situation where there are tremendous cost overruns and no one knows where the money's coming from, even though we recently had, I believe it was 2013, the largest gasoline tax increase in U.S. history here in Maryland. They're still saying there's not enough money for transportation. We, we have to have these private public partnerships. But it looks to me like we're going to have to put the Beltway improvements together with the Purple Line to get Montgomery County moving because with gridlock and gridlock is coming as soon as this pandemic is lifted, we're going to have gridlock on the beltway 14 hours a day. I mean, it's already there pretty bad. Now they've had all these truck accidents, like 60 some truck accidents in the last year, big tractor trailer accidents, which shut down the beltway for a day. We need to improve the safety there. I, you know, I, I sometimes I go through Virginia to go down to court, and I'm in court every day in Southern Maryland. I go, I go through Virginia there. They have magnificent roads. They've done a great job of improving the highways there. We're way behind here in Montgomery County and Prince George's County. Yeah, well, there's the project, the P3 project the governor is pushing. They're currently in the comments phase. They... The draft environmental impact statement is being reviewed, and we have the planning board chairman, Casey Anderson, already coming out. I'm, I'm assuming that he read the thousands of pages or maybe the summary, which would be important for the chairman of the planning board. But I am, I, I am of the opinion that, like you, gridlock is a real thing. And if you talk to people in Up County who have to travel 270 every day and people who leave and come into the county robin we've got to do something and more transit options would be nice in up county but it's not seemingly feasible what say you yeah yeah well you know they they put this big mall right there at 121 in the beltway they didn't widen uh the uh, i-270 and for some reason they didn't study the 270 north of 370 wasn't part of the original environmental study for the rest of I-270. We need to widen I-270, clear up to Frederick, and we need to improve 70 as well, because I go to court in Frederick. I see these poor suckers driving down, you know, worried about getting to work in two hours or so. I met people in Clarksburg who, who work in Quantico, they have to leave. They have to leave their house before 5 a.m. to get to work on time. And we, we, the county government has just done nothing to improve I-270 except to load up a lot of new developments right along I-270, which contribute to the gridlock. Hmm. Another issue that has been discussed and now is being debated, Robin, is Will Jawando's. Uh, I would call it his uh, his mission to remove school resource officers from public schools. He's taken a position with 
out any actual data, and these are the facts. He's pushing this position. What do you say to that? How would you respond to that? Well, you know, I I, I think Jawando has made some valid points about discrimination in, in law enforcement, about how some of the minorities are being treated unfairly. And I'm a defense attorney, and I run into that quite a bit. But I, I think we need to take a, a look at the roles of these school resource officers. When I graduated from Montgomery Blair and when my kids went to, uh, to Whitman, there were no police in the schools. Um, what we need to make sure is that, that police are within a very short response time of each and every school. And if they're not, then we need to have police in the schools. I'm not sure we need to have police in each and every school. We've never had a person shot in the Montgomery County schools as they have been in, in these horror incidents elsewhere. But we need to have a very short response time into the schools because we have our precious children there and we don't want some terrorist or some nut coming in and hurting our kids. Um, I, I think that if we don't have a short response time, if there's not a police station nearby, then we need to have kids in the schools. I mean, need to have police in the schools. Well, it's certainly an issue and that will be discussed and debated. And Montgomery County Public Schools and Superintendent Jack Smith, they are putting together data. They're collecting it, which will be analyzed coming up soon. And I suspect that we will have more on that soon. And as we let's see we have about eight or so minutes left um robin what's going to happen on the national side there was a big breaking story today reported by the new york times on president trump's taxes what do you think is going to happen in november well i I, will will know a lot more (laughs) on tuesday night um because uh that's the debate that or is it tomorrow night uh it's tuesday tuesday night yes Tuesday night is the debate, and I think a lot of people are watching to uh, will be watching like Super Bowl numbers to compare the two candidates, and they want to see how uh, former Vice President Biden will will hold up um, in a long debate where he can't give scripted answers. Uh, I think that, uh, that many people have are withholding support from either candidate till they see the results now. I know that uh, that Trump has a lot of energy. He uh, he's done very well with the economy, and I I think that the economy is his strong suit. And I'd really like to hear what Biden plans to do about raising taxes. What he's what his plans are to uh, to to help the economy because that's the issue in this election is the economy after this pandemic. People are hurting, and they want to have a bright economic future. The debate is going to determine, I think, the winner of the election, whoever comes out of of these debates. And there's going to be three of them. It's a shame they weren't earlier because of all the early voting. Whoever comes out of these debates looking better than the other guy, I think, is going to win. You think so? You think Americans are going to tune into these and they could have a real material impact on this this upcoming election? And you know, it- no, no, no question about it. And, you know, it really doesn't disturb me that that we're putting that we're filling the Supreme Court vacancy before the election, because by statute, the Supreme Court session starts on the first Monday in October. 
And we have so many thorny issues in America that we need to have a full court listening and deciding these thorny issues. And we can't with only eight justices, we're likely to end up with a lot of tie votes. So I see nothing wrong with filling that, uh, that uh, Supreme Court vacancy if, if, President, if Vice President Biden doesn't like uh, Mr. Trump's choice, then he can propose someone else and see how many votes that person gets. I don't think that every single senator votes along party lines. I think that, uh, that uh, he can propose an alternative and maybe there'll be a, a tide swell of support for, the, for his choice. But we need to fill the vacancy. We need to have a full court. We can't, we can't have a uh, partially empty court deciding. I mean, they may be deciding some of these election issues. We certainly need to have a full court for that. We can't have. Imagine what would happen if we had a divided court four and four on some of these election issues and the election, the election was in the balance. We would our country would be at a standstill. Now, it would go back to, I believe, these the uh, the lower court and to the uh, the circuit court uh, in two, you know, in 2016, though, Robin, the 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 Republicans blocked. President Obama from appointing Merrick Garland, and they were 276 days out. Now, do you see any hypocrisy in that? Well, I, I see it's unfortunate that they, they blocked the seat, because I believe we should have a, a full Supreme Court. And, you know, back then, I think that the Republicans may have made a mistake, but two wrongs don't make a right. We need to have a full court. That's That was sort of uh, Mitt Romney's position when he talked about that last week um and of course Mitt Romney hasn't always been a a fan of this president and he ran for president himself we saw yesterday president trump nominate amy coney barrett who is a seven circuit court judge what do you make of her have you read into her background and uh any of her positions well i know that she was easily confirmed for the us court of appeals so she must have done something right. Um, and, you know, I love that story uh, about what she did when she was a professor at Notre Dame uh, Law School, how there was a, a blind student in the class. And that blind student was encountering all sorts of technical difficulties. And then uh, the, the, her professor, who's now being proposed for the Supreme Court, said, my dear, that's not your problem. That's my problem. And she worked it out with the, with the um, faculty and with the administration in Notre Dame Law School and helped that, that blind student through law school, mentored her. And that blind student even became a clerk to the U.S. Supreme Court, thanks to uh, Ms. Barrett. So, you know, she has some kindness in her. She, she adopted children. She adopted minority children from another country. She has a wonderful family. But, I mean, how can, you, how can you not like a woman that has as many kids and takes care of as many kids and then has a fantastic career at the same time? It's unbelievable that she can accomplish all this. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll see what happens. I know that uh, the Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman, Lindsey Graham, is scheduled— <laughs> has scheduled hearings very soon. And I think they're going to start on October 12th and extend until, I think, the 16th. And 
who knows what's going to happen during those. We, of course, didn't expect the the Kavanaugh hearings to, to go like that, but they did, and they took quite a different number of routes. And to bring it back to Montgomery County, Robin, we, we heard a lot about Montgomery County during the Kavanaugh hearings back in 2018 uh, down in Potomac. So it's going to— Well, you know, I, I had many cases with Judge Kavanaugh's um, mom. She she was a judge here in uh, in Montgomery County in, in the district court and circuit court. Ah, wow. I know you've been, you've been all over the state. Robin, if people want to learn— more about you and running for governor. What's the website that you are using to talk about your platform? Well, you know, I, I do most of, most on Facebook. Our Facebook site is Cut MD Sales Tax Two Cents. Uh, that's our Facebook site and our and our website too. Cut MD Sales Tax Two Cents dot com. There never has been a state to cut its sales tax, but I figure if if we're the first one. Some of these jobs that are going to Virginia, North Carolina, other other parts of the country will come here. And I'd like I'd like uh, Jeff Bezos to expand his operation here. You know, I'd like to see him buy the uh, buy a new team, a new NBA team for Baltimore. Bring Charles Barkley down, have him run the team. I think I think it'll bring a lot of joy to uh, to Baltimore. I think we need to expand the Bay Bridge, you know, being on the boardwalk all those hours all all summer, I can tell you that that is a bonanza for Maryland Revenue, Ocean City. There are people from Pennsylvania, Delaware, West Virginia, Virginia, New Jersey. They all come and spend a lot of money in Ocean City, and it helps our state. So we have to make access easy to Ocean City and the Eastern Shore. We need to improve the bridge. I've witnessed these backups, which are horrendous. We need we need a third Bay Bridge. We need to get that done. Well, I I certainly would be supportive of traffic mitigation, especially there on Route 50. We all love heading down to the Eastern Shore, Ocean City, which is a gym for the state of Maryland. It's an economic engine for our state, and I know that uh, you've been doing this for a long time, Robin, and. When are you ever going to slow down? <laughs> I'm just I'm just getting warmed up. One thing I really enjoy about my trips to Ocean City is that every morning I get out on that boardwalk and I bike 12 miles as fast as I can up and down that boardwalk at 7 a.m. And that keeps me going for the uh, the rest of the weekend. It's a good place. I mean, if, if you have your Apple Watch, you, you count your steps and uh, you go down to Ocean City for a weekend or for a week, and you'll be amazed how much your step count will improve. <laughs> People down there, are, they're, they're relaxed. They're getting exercise. It's a great thing for our state. And instead of going to Rehoboth or Dewey Beach or some of these other places, come to Ocean City, have a wonderful time, and help our state financially. No. we The tourism dollars are desperately needed all over the place from – Deep Creek Lake to Queen Anne's County to Easton and Southern Maryland, Solomon's Island, all the way up to Cecil and Haver de Grace and to all the way down over to Ocean City, Maryland. So, well, Robin. Well, I think, I, I think I'm going to put a governor's office, quite frankly, on the boardwalk from <laughs> Memorial Day to Labor Day. And that people can come down there and talk to me and, and give me ideas as to how to improve our state and also we're going to have a uh, 
come see the governor meeting every more every Monday morning at 6 a.m. First come, first serve. You come down there and give us an idea as to how we can improve our state and let us know if you've been discriminated against, and we'll clear that problem up for you. We'll go to that pancake house. What is, what is it called right there by uh... – on on Third Street, they're all over the place. Um, that famous pancake shop, that um, the the dough roller, the dough roller. Yeah, and, and I tell you what, I think I think I'm going to give everyone that comes down there and talks to me in the governor's office on the boardwalk. I think I'll give them a small Thrasher's fry. Oh well, you can't beat that. That's for sure. The boardwalk has lots and lots of good food, and probably none of it is healthy, but. You know, when you're on vacation, <laughs> when you're on vacation, that's what you do. Robin, uh, I I so appreciate your time. I thank you for for sharing your opinion and thoughts on these local issues, and we'll see what happens with these ballot initiatives. I'm, I'm I'll be anxious to see how voters turn out and what they what the verdict is on uh, question B and C and uh, the, uh, the the nine districts. So. Yeah, well, vote for B, for D, against A, against C. And Ryan Miner, I have to congratulate you for your public interest of many years in delving <laughs> into these issues because uh, you've shed the light on many important things, and, and I appreciate your public service attitude in doing what you do. Now, I appreciate, Robin, that you are relentless and you don't take crap from anybody, especially these Montgomery County folks that th- sometimes look down their nose at average middle class Americans, and uh, you you know they may disagree with your tactics, but they certainly can't disagree that you have been the single most effective political activist in this county for the last forty years, and that's undeniable. So. For that, well, I, I appreciate that, and the biggest room up there in Rockville is the room for improvement. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. Robin Ficker, thank you so much for coming on tonight. I appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan. You, you bet. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, Robin Ficker, Montgomery County political activist, former member of the House of Delegates from 78 to 82, former congressman or former congressional candidate i should say former county executive candidate former house of delegates candidate robin has run for many offices and he's put out his ideas you know where he stands on the issues we talked a lot about the ballot initiative so that should be something to follow in montgomery county and it's interesting to hear from different people from different perspectives that's what this show is all about. And I I had people who emailed me and sent me messages saying, oh, how could you bring Robin Ficker on? And I said, well, how couldn't I? It's it's important that we have all kinds of voices on this show, whether you agree or disagree, that's my job. And I encourage you to email me feedback at ryan at a minor detail.com. This podcast is important in Maryland because we talk about tough issues and we get people with all kinds of opinions to come on this show and have a serious conversation. Uh, and I'm fair. I'm going to be as fair as I possibly can be. I'm going to ask tough questions, and I'm going to get the answers out of you. Just as I would invite, and I have my notes here, I, and some of the folks mentioned tonight have been on this podcast. Evan Glass has been on this podcast. Andrew Friedson is a frequent flyer 
uh, Montgomery County Council. Let's see. Um, I've had on, I don't know if I've had Tom Hucker. Will Jawando, I, I would love to have Will on to talk about what's happening in Montgomery County Public Schools. I've had Hans Reamer on. I may have had, I don't know if I've had Craig Rice. I'm not sure, but we talked about Marilyn Balcom. Um, you know, I haven't had Mark Elrich on, but that would be an interesting interview to have the county executive of Maryland's largest county come on and, and talk about Montgomery County finances and business and his plan for growth, his plan to uh, work with state government. I've had on David Blair, who's I hear is run, thinking about running for elected office again. And I need to give a shout out to one hell of a great reporter, uh, Glennis Kazachian, and I probably butchered her last name, but she had written a piece on September 10th, and it's, uh, you can see it here, it's called The Coalition of Heavyweight Insiders Launches Opposition to Montgomery County Ballot Measures, and this piece unwinds all of what the heck is happening in Montgomery County with the ballot initiatives and county council. It was published in MarylandMatters.org, a independent, nonpartisan news site. Josh Kurtz, who is the editor-in-chief, also has written several columns. And there's no one like Josh Kurtz who can break down Maryland politics and local politics as well as he can. And we, we often talk about the news desert in Montgomery County. And there is one. The Gazette left. Who's left? So... I, I, I can only do so much with this podcast at a minor detail.com, but I do encourage you to read Maryland Matters. I encourage you to read Bethesda Beat. Uh, they have some excellent reporters. They really, truly have some excellent reporters. And I want you to check out my friend Sherry Jacobus's podcast. Check her out on Twitter at Sherry Jacobus. She is a longtime political operative who just started a podcast called Politics or Sherry Jacobus talks politics, and it's fantastic. She breaks down a lot of the insider information on President Trump and his people. She's got a, a really strong story to tell. And make sure you follow her. It's an excellent podcast. Follow her on Twitter. She's one of those blue verified checkmarked accounts at Sherry, C-H-E-R-Y, Jacobus, J-A-C-O-B-U-S. Look at that. I can spell tonight. And uh, I really encourage you to check her out. And she does a tremendous, tremendous podcast. Please consider subscribing to this podcast. I'd love to have your support at uh, aminordetail.com. I'm on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast. And you can sign up for our newsletter at aminordetail.com slash newsletter. I am... On Twitter, at A Minor Detail, look at that, and at Ryan R. Minor. I always have to do the opposite, so I'm right there. Follow me at Ryan R. Minor, where we tweet about state politics, national politics. Big story today in the New York Times, all about President Trump's taxes. We'll see how this plays out. Debate on Tuesday night. We're going to be following that. Maybe we'll put together one of our infamous panels that we do. We'll get the uh, crew back over here. And all the squares on Zoom, which has just saved our lives in so many ways. I love Zoom. I love this application that we're using. So please consider supporting a minor detail. We're an independent, nonpartisan, small shop. We can't compete with the big guys like the Post or the Sun, but we are here. We are consistent. 
we do get the news and the scoop. And we've worked really hard over the last several years, five years to be exact, on building this podcast up, growing it, inviting so many diverging voices on it, talking about serious big issues. And we have a lot of fun doing it. We've even made it to Annapolis over the last couple of years. So I'm I'm hoping to go back this year. We'll see what happens with the coronavirus. I'll go ahead and wish you a safe and happy week. We're going into the month of October, 30-some days out, 36 days, I believe, tomorrow until November 3rd election. How do you plan to vote? How are you going to go out and vote? I don't care who you vote for. Well, maybe I do. But I just want to know that you're going to go out and vote, whether it be by absentee to mail in your ballot. And that process has been explained multiple times. They send out requests. You send back the request. They send you a ballot. Easy enough. Or are you going to go in person? I haven't decided yet. I'll probably wear my mask, as I always do, and I encourage you to as well, and to safely socially distance. And I'm going to go to one of the early voting centers and cast my ballot. It's a tradition. It's a tradition. I have to. I feel like voting in person for me is uh, something that I enjoy doing. I appreciate all the poll workers who are out there risking their safety and their health. And that means a lot to us. So if you see a poll worker, make sure you thank them. Thank them from the bottom of your heart to say thank you for doing this. Thank you for maintaining the safety and the fluency of our elections and to upholding the very principles that make America, America. So with that, I'll go ahead and sign off. Thank you so much. Happy Sunday night and have a wonderful, safe and happy and healthy week. Wear your masks, socially distance, don't be a jerk about it. Follow the rules, folks. Please, we can prevent the spread of this thing just by doing such simple things. A mask is not that bad. Think about all of our frontline healthcare workers, our doctors and nurses and our, our home health workers in, in nursing homes. They're wearing these masks all day. You can, too, when you go out to your sheets or the Target. So wear your masks. It's easy. All right, folks, have a great night.